Tandem Nomads, episode 44. Don't be afraid to fail because it's really true, as they say, Rome was not built in a day and your portable career will also not be built in a day. But if you stick to it, it will be built. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, where inspiring expat partners from around the world share with you how they turn the challenges of relocation into great opportunities. So are you following your partner abroad for his or her career? Then Tandem Nomads is the place for you. Nomad Nation, before we go into the topic of this episode, I have a quick announcement for you. We are going to have a voice party very soon. A huge party on the Tandem Nomads podcast where we can hear and where you can share your voice with us. I really can't wait to celebrate with you this voice party where you can send me a little message and I will share it on Tandem Nomads for the 50th episode of Tandem Nomad. So for more details, stay put until the end of this episode. I will share all the information with you on how you can do that and celebrate with us and be part of this great voice party. Hello Nomad Nation, this is Amel Dedegi. Today's episode is kind of special because it's the second part of the previous episode. Our guest is Kristen Louise Duncombe. She shares with us her story and also how she has built a great successful business. But before that, and this is why I encourage you to go to the previous episode if you haven't listened to, she really tells us in details in a very engaging way and a lot of trust. She gives a lot of trust into sharing her story with us of all the deep identity crisis she's been through and probably a little bit of depression too where she really didn't know where to take her life and felt completely unarmed with her own life so so today's episode is actually telling us how she managed to turn every one of those challenges into an opportunity like I like to say and how what has helped her go out of this deep loss of identity into becoming this so confident woman and successful you know therapist she has her own portable uh, practice she takes it with her wherever she goes and she still trails as she says but today she believes that she's not trailing anymore but she went from training to becoming a leader so i really can't wait to share this episode with you again if you haven't heard the previous episode i really invite you to but here you will find a huge series of an amazing inputs and insights that you can implement for your own life even if you don't have all those crazy challenges you've been through there's some amazing amazing insights that i really want you to listen to here so let's dive in Kristen, are you ready for the ride I am. Kristen is born to American diplomats and raised in various countries. Today, she lives in Geneva and is a psychotherapist who specializes in working with international and expatriate families. Kristen is also an author. Her first book was selected as one of the best indie reads of 2013. It is called Trailing a Memoir, which tells her experience as a trailing spouse who followed her médecin sans frontières husband in East Africa to help the populations that were suffering from wars and diseases. Christine also just published a new book called Five Flights Up 
Sex, Love and Family from Paris to Lyon. This time, she counts her story, adapting to a new lifestyle in France and reconfiguring everything she thought she knew about her expat life. So, Christine, you've shared so many amazing challenges that you've been through on a personal level and in your relationship. And my question is, what has helped you concretely build that resilience and be able to reinvent yourself and build that strong identity you have today? Probably one of the number one things is that given that at a certain moment in our lives together as husband and wife, things were so um, difficult and so tenuous, it became very clear to me that I had to get my act together because if it wasn't going to work out between us, I did not have a backup plan. I mean, I didn't even know what the word is. For me, it was non-negotiable. I had to get on my feet professionally. I was not in a situation of going, well, I don't know what I want to do. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Mm. And It, it therefore was not a, a matter of, you know, finding an answer to that existential question. Like it was more like, oh, I think I know what the purpose is, but now I just need to figure out how to operationalize it. Mm -hmm. And I had certain things in place um, that made my um, capacity to, quote unquote, operationalize in France much easier. Mm -hmm. um, that is, I had my work papers, I had my, um, did have my training in place, and I did have the requisite degrees. I just didn't have the infrastructure. But the thing that made um, it possible for me to even get started with that is the fact that I had my working papers. Um, because my husband um, also has an Italian passport. And so I'm only mentioning that because, you know, so many people dream of, of, of moving to Europe and many people actually manage to move to Europe. But if you don't have work papers in Europe, it can be very difficult to actually get your professional yep. situation organized. That wasn't the obstacle facing me because we were legally married He has an Italian passport, et cetera, et cetera. So I immediately had the right to work. So then what really became um, the challenge for me was how to take that right that I had, the legal right to work, and actually turn it into something. Because I very quickly... Um, learned that I was not going to be able to get a job in the French system. So I said a moment ago that, you know, I had the requisite degrees. Well, yes, I do have the requisite degrees and the, the qualifications to be a psychotherapist, but not in France. Mm -hmm. My training was done in the United States, and I have lots of work experience um, in different countries, but in order to actually be a clinical social worker in the French system, I needed to have French degrees because there wasn't the appropriate equivalence and et cetera, et cetera. So 
what I started, when I realized that I was not going to get a job in the system, and this is a really important thing I'm about to say, I think yeah. it's, it sort of goes to the heart of what you're asking about. I did plummet back into despair. Oh my God, how am I going to do it? I'm never going to be able to, this is a nightmare. I, I thought briefly, and I even sort of ran around applying for jobs, um, thinking, okay, well, I'm going to have to give up my dream of being a therapist. I'm going to have to become an English teacher. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to do that. Um, until I realized that the obstacle I was facing was that I was waiting for someone to give me a job versus creating my own job. Mm-hmm. And that for me is probably the biggest mental leap I have ever taken in my life. And it might sound melodramatic to present it like that. It's but very, truly, very important what you're saying. Here. <laughs> oh, well, for me, it was this mammoth revelation, this huge and very, 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 very hard to get my head around for a while revelation that if you sit around waiting for someone to give you permission to be who you are or who you say you are, you might be waiting your whole darn life. If, you know, Joe and Jane are in private practice, why can't I be? If other people can do it, so can I. But, you know, I'm... It, but that, just let me be clear, that was not like a 30-second process <laughs> that I went through. That was like several weeks, probably more like a couple of months of agonizing. I wanted to have my practice because, you know, as we're talking about, that's really how I identified. But then there was this other practical matter of, and I need to be self-sustaining. I need to make some money. And that was constantly pulling me back and forth. Like, how does one create something from nothing? And also then you don't earn any money at first. And so what does that mean? So I better go apply for this job. And so the absurd job I found, which is the thing that made me go, okay, this is crazy. You need to take the leap and just see what happens. I, um, got hired to staff along with a couple of other people, I was going to be one of the full-time staff people, this call center, you're going to die when I tell you this, at this call center where I had to sit there in this office in, you know, the seventh arrondissement of Paris. This is horrible. Calling up morgues, and dentist's office in geriatric treatment centers back in the United States in places in Florida where there is a a large population of, um, you know, retirees and find out if they had any recently deceased patients who had 
gold in their teeth and then negotiate the purchase of the gold. Are you serious? <laughs> I am totally serious. And when I applied for that job, I didn't know what the job was. I just saw that they needed someone that was a native English speaker that could use the phone. And I was in that mentality of, I've got to make some money. I've got to make some money and everything is going to hell and I'll never be able to be a therapist. So I went down and they hired me up immediately after I did a little test to show that I had proper, you know, phone skills. And then when they told me what I was going to be doing, I basically, that was the turning point. It was like, okay, get me out of here. I may, I may feel like crazy and that I don't know what to do, but I know that I cannot do this. You know, this, it's amazing. Thank you for telling us that story. It's just amazing because this is, this is a, a crazy story, but you know what? It doesn't at all surprise me. And this is one of the major messages also that I did, did realize even me personally in my own story is that as expat spouses, we at the end of the day, we're so worried to not get a job, to not be able to, you know, have the career we wanted and to end up being financially dependent that we end up at the end ready to accept anything just for yes. the sake of having a job and earning money or at least saying that we're working even if we're not earning much money right. um, or for being intellectually active which which yes. is which is good okay why not but then we realized that along the years we kept settling 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 for less and after a few years we're like okay what happened with my life What did I do with it? And this is exactly what I'm, what I'm happy that you bought this story and how important it is to not settle for less. Really think wisely what we want to do and not be afraid to take that leap that you took, you know. And being an entrepreneur, having your own practice, is not. it can sound very scary, but at the end of the day, everybody can do it. Yes, yes, exactly. But once I ran screaming from the office of, you know, the gold teeth call center and said, this is crazy, I cannot do this. I realized that what I needed to do was to stop being so afraid to say, this is who I am, even if I didn't yet feel that I was that thing. Mm -hmm. So I literally, this is going to sound very cliche, but it's true. I literally had to stand in front of the mirror and learn to say, I am a therapist. I am a consultant. I am a therapist and I am a consultant. And at that time in my life, I had lost so much confidence. And because at that moment, I also did not have any clients, I felt like I couldn't even say that. And I literally, and this is one of the other sort of maybe could sound cliche things that I, uh, that I was going to mention, but it's really mm -hmm. true. I relied on the support of good friends, you know, certain key good friends in my life where I just told them, this is what is 
plaguing me right now. I know what I need to do, but I don't have the confidence to do it. I feel so like such an imposter. And there's one particular friend of mine, his, his name is Dominic. He's always been a very close friend and a mentor. And he literally would make me introduce myself to him over and over and over. And I would have to say to him, my name is Kristen Duncombe. I am a therapist and I am a consultant. And he made me say that over and over until I could say it without either, you know, cracking up because I thought it just sounded like such a farce or, you know, breaking into tears because I felt like such a loser. It was just so difficult. But once I got that piece down, it made it possible to then start really seriously networking and saying to people, I am a therapist and a consultant, and I am available to come and give a talk at your organization about this, that, or the other thing. Of course, I did it as a volunteer. I did tons of volunteer speaking. It was a way to get my name out there, and this is ultimately how I built my practice. Because, you know, people always want it justified. Well, like, why do, why should we care what what you think, who are you? And that's where it became essential to be able to say, I'm a therapist and a consultant. It's yeah, very important that I, I would like to focus and highlight, and it has made a huge difference in my life too, is self-talk, yes. the power of self-talk. Being able to do what you did, being in front of a, a mirror or a camera, taking a video and talking to yourself, just waking up in the day and say, I believe in myself. It's very important and it has effect. I think there is some kind of, I don't know what happens in the brain when we do the self-talk, but I've tried it and it works. And it's not something we have to do once or twice. It's a routine that we have to build in our lifestyle to talk to ourselves in believing ourselves in what we want to do and what we will do. Absolutely. And to also not be afraid while you're doing that to admit that you don't know everything and that you are also trying. So you were you went to Lyon, your husband took a while to convince you, but did convince you to go to Lyon. What was what what are the steps you took for your own life and your own career? And uh, how did you make the continuity? It's not that far, Paris from Lyon, but were there any specific challenges that you had to deal with that move or was it a, a smooth transition? Well, you know what? It's it's both things because it's true. Moving from Paris to Lyon was not, it, you know, it was like changing neighborhoods almost. But the big thing that... Um, that switched up in our family life is that I only agreed to move if I could commute back to Paris two days per week to keep my practice alive. Mm -hmm. And in hindsight, I mean, I, I had to do that. I had to do it because you know how you, For so many things, if you don't do it, then you would always wonder. But what I can say now with hindsight is I, I didn't need to do that. And I probably shouldn't have done that because I ended up spending a ton of money, money that I did not have really. I basically spent everything I earned just to keep my practice alive. Mm -hmm. And I also got extremely exhausted in the process because even though it's not that far away, commuting every single week and being away for two nights a week 
Um, and you know, I packed those days full. I mean, I was working 14 hour days in my office in Paris. Um, it just was exhausting. And I guess I needed to do that though, because at the moment that I moved to Lyon, I was not ready to let go of my Paris identity. I just couldn't let go of everything I had built. And the way that helped me in many ways is that once I was the new kid on the block in Lyon, having to start a new private practice and the whole infrastructure of, you know, finding an office and, and networking and letting people know that I was there. I felt somehow, you know how they say that it's easier to get a job when you apply for jobs while you're still employed. Mm -hmm. In a way it was like that. It mm -hmm. was like, I didn't necessarily lose all my confidence by going into a state of zero professional activity mm -hmm. and having to start completely from scratch. Mm -hmm. I, I was super busy in Paris, and then I had three days off mm -hmm. to try to organize things in Lyon. So and, from um, your experience mm -hmm. going through this transition, what would be your advice for anybody else who would have to go through that transition? What have you learned from that experience? I would say do what I am doing now, which I didn't do when I left Paris, which was when, when I was closing up or, you know, reducing my Paris practice to half time, a lot of people said to me, oh, well, can we work by phone? Can we work by Skype? And I said, no, you know, this was only mm -hmm. five years ago, but even five years ago, uh, for me, that felt Uh, either I was not modern enough or that really was not yet a thing to do. But what I said to the people I worked with in Paris is, you know, I really think it's better for you to be able to have face-to-face -face time with someone if you want to continue to do therapy work. And there's enough people um, available in Paris that I don't think that it's useful. F it's a, not a useful model to keep seeing each other by Skype. Now, fast forward to now, when I moved from Lyon to Geneva, a lot of people in Lyon said, oh, can we continue to work together by Skype? And this time I said, oh yeah, fine, no problem. Mm. That's a very and, important point. I want to focus on that because there yes. is still a lot of resistance. And one of the other main message of Tandem Nomads is to embrace technology because that's the only way for us expat partners to continue our virtual businesses and portable businesses. Yes. So tell me what was the reason of the resistance and what made you suddenly loosen up on that resistance to use technology? Well, you know what? I loosened up on it because even though I still think the face-to-face, -face, you know, sitting in the room together is the best model, what actually happened is, is that a couple of years into my um, uh, time in Lyon, I got... 
I got two different emails from two different people I had worked with in the past, both of whom were now in, these people don't know each other, but one of them was um, in Ghana and one of them was in South Sudan. And what they said is, you know, this is where I am now and I'm really having a hard time and I, I really feel like I need to see someone and there's no one here that I can work with, would you consider um, doing phone or Skype sessions? And and given where they were placed, there was no way I was going to say no. I totally, I mean, they also mm-hmm. delineated what they were going through. One of them had gone through a certain trauma, and, and I understood that it really was a necessity for them to be able to use technology, as you're saying, to um, to get some psychological support. So it, quickly we organized that. So all of a sudden I was doing Skype work with these two women that were, you know, based in these two distinct places in, in Africa and then I started realizing, oh, this is so easy. This is so straightforward. Why, why am I being so resistant to using technology? Now, that did not mean that I suddenly called up all these people that you know were in Paris and said, hey, do you want to start up again? Because when I left Paris, I helped people get set up with someone new, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So I, I wasn't going to try to You could have kept those clients, actually. Yeah, I could have, but like I said, I had to go through mm. this this learning curve. But then when I left Lyon at the time, that this has changed now in the, you know, 10 months that I've been here, but at the time that I left, I was the only English-speaking mother tongue English-speaking therapist. So when I started terminating with my clients in Lyon saying, you know what, I'm going to be moving to Geneva, etc., Some of them said, oh, God, you know, who, there's no one here for me to work with. Um, And I said, well, listen, if you want to keep doing the work, that is fine. We can keep in touch by phone or by Skype. Um, And so that turned, it it was just a very sort of easy um, transition that I made to to suddenly being willing to use that technology. Mm-hmm. So I think that if I knew then what I know now, when I left Paris, I would not have done this crazy racing back and forth thing mm-hmm. that I did. And I would have just, you know, kept on some of my clients by Skype and, um, and, and downsized my practice. Thank you for being so honest with that and so open with, with explaining that transition you had because I think it's, uh, it's something that I know a lot of expat partners go through, that resistance and then slowly, you know, accepting to embrace technology. And I think that's a very, very important message that you're sharing here with us. Yeah, I could talk to you for hours you know Kristen <laughs> and your story is just so amazing I think to this point we really have to read your book so Tandem Nomads check out Kristen's books can you please tell us briefly again the title and in one sentence what it is about oh I'd be delighted so my first book is called Trailing a Memoir and that is about following my Médecin Sans Frontières husband to the front lines of disaster and disease in Kenya and Uganda um, surviving a violent carjacking and finally leaving my marriage and establishing myself professionally 
as I write in the book, going from being one who follows to one who leads. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my second book is called Five Flights Up, Sex, Love, and Family from Paris to Lyon. And it is about... Um, what happens in the after of our life together as a bicultural married couple in East Africa, how we restore our marriage and save our marriage and actually go on to have another child and raise our family for a certain number of years in Paris until my dear husband wants me to trail him to Lyon (laughs) and how we renegotiate the marital roles so that we can both continue to have um, successful, fulfilling careers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is really fascinating. So Tandem Nomads, Nomad Nation, please check out Kristen Duncombe's books. I will put them on the show notes page of this episode. And before we finish and say goodbye, Kristen, is there one message that you would like to share with expert partners who want to build their portable businesses and be happy and have a strong identity along the way? I would say is, um, I would say find good mentors rely on friends to, you know, talk you through the moments of panic attack. Don't be afraid to fail because it's really true. As they say, Rome was not built in a day and your portable career will also not be built in a day, but if you stick to it, it will be built. And, um, as long as it's something that you enjoy doing, then it is absolutely worth it. Absolutely wonderful. That was amazing. (laughs) Those are really, really important advice you just gave. Number one, find good mentors and good friends. And two, don't be afraid to fail and enjoy it. And I love the way we're ending this episode. So please tell us how we can find you, Kristen, and we'll say goodbye. You can find me by Googling my name. I have a website. It's uh, www.kristenduncombe.com. Or you can, if you're in Geneva or the surrounding area, you can also find me probably in the yellow pages. Um, <laughs> Those still exist? Yeah, I, yeah, they still exist, although I think only on internet. But um, no, you know, in this day and age, I guess all you have to do is plug someone's name in and then you can yeah. find them. I'm easy to find. Wonderful. So Kristen Duncan. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you so much for taking the time. And thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Nomad Nation, I hope that you were inspired by the story and these great insights that our guests shared with us today. And now here is the big news I was telling you about and the amazing voice party we're going to have together. We are going to have our 50th episode coming up very soon. Oh my God, I'm so excited about it because I don't think that I would have been able to you know, keep on doing all these episodes and working on them and connecting with all these amazing guests if it wasn't for you, if I didn't know that you were out there listening. And uh, I'm so excited that you've been showing up to listen to every episode. Because of that, I wanted to thank you and also give you a chance to share your voice this time with us. Share your voice and join the 50th episode voice party. So this is what I'm offering to you. Send me a little audio of three 
to five minutes that you can record on your phone or on your computer via, for example, um, QuickTime Player. It's very easy to set up. So send it to me by email or via wetransfer.com, which is a great platform to send documents to the email connect at tandemnomads.com. And you just tell me in three to five minutes who you are, why you listen to Tandem Nomads, what you like about it, but also don't hesitate to share any extra insight you would like to share with us. And uh, if you have also a blog or a link you want to share, feel free. So uh, I'm so much looking forward to this, to our voice party together. We're going to collect all your messages and put them in the 50th episode of Tandem Nomads. So I'm really, really looking forward to that and uh, do not hesitate to reach out and talk to you very soon.